everyone, welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing going through the book of Romans. In the last episode, we looked at what justification is and what sanctification is and how we should be super thankful and appreciative to God that, you know, he provided a way for us to go to heaven. And like I said in the last episode, this section of Paul's letter is very much about salvation and today we're going to be going into more depth on justification in particular. Justification by faith would have been such a hard concept for the Jewish Romans to accept because they would have had a hard time relating it to their history. Paul had just done a really great job at showing how it's been shown in their law and predicted by their old prophets, but they would have primarily just cared about what Abraham had to say about it because Abraham was considered to be the father of their people. God gave Abraham their law back in Genesis chapter 12 of the Bible, and God was the one to tell Abraham that his descendants were going to be a special set-apart people. So Abraham meant a lot to the Jewish people, and Paul accepted the challenge and explained how Abraham was also saved by his faith too. If we look at Romans Romans chapter 4 verse 11, it says that Abraham is not only the father of the Jewish people, but to everyone who believes, meaning everyone who trusts in Jesus. So let's get into Romans chapter 4 verses 1 to 3, and it says this in the New Living Translation. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. So if you don't know Abraham's story, his name was originally Abram and he had defeated kings and was worried about if they would come back and fight him. And God had appeared to him and told him not to worry and that he would protect Abram and reward him. But Abram just wanted a son and heir. He didn't really care about all that. So God promised him that, but it took a while to fulfill that promise. And despite it taking a while, Abraham believed in God's promise. The Hebrew word translated believed means to say amen. So when God made his promise, Abraham said amen. And it was this faith that was counted as righteousness. In verse 3, it says, God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, that word counted in the Greek means to put into one's account. So this is a banking term. And as you know, when someone goes to work, they earn a salary and they put the money into their bank account. So Abraham didn't earn or work for his salvation. He just trusted in God's word. Jesus was the one who did the work on the cross and his righteousness was put on Abraham's account. Verses four to five says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. In Exodus chapter 23, verse seven, the law says that God won't justify the wicked. But here it says God does justify and forgive sinners. So the law used to say that he'd justify the righteous and condemn the sinner, but here God justifies the sinner because there aren't any righteous godly people for him to justify. He put our sins on Jesus' account that he might put Jesus' righteousness on our account. Verses 6 to 8 say, David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. So if you don't know who David was, he was another hero of the faith, just like Abraham. He was very important to the Jewish people. He was a man after God's own heart, and you can read about him in First Samuel in the Bible. 
There you'd read about how the people were demanding to have a king for themselves because everyone else had a king. So rather than waiting on God to appoint a king, the people appointed the wrong guy and his name was Saul and he just didn't measure up to being God's king. He just kept making mistakes. So God sent out one of his own prophets named Samuel to find his chosen king, who was actually a shepherd named David, and he was about 12 at the time. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that right now, but he, here Paul quotes David from Psalm chapter 32 verses 1 and 2, and that's a psalm that King David wrote after he confessed after his terrible sin with a woman named Bathsheba. And that dramatic story can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And basically, King David was walking on the rooftop one night and he spotted a very beautiful woman having a bath <laughs> and her name was Bathsheba and he asked his servants who she was and he was told her name and that she was married and even though she was married David invited her over still and they ended up sleeping together. Later she discovered that she had actually become pregnant by David and so she told him and David wanted to hide his sin of sleeping with another man's wife so he summoned her husband who was actually out fighting a war for David and he hoped that her husband would come home, sleep with his wife, and they could just cover up that like her pregnancy and pretend that it was his, but that didn't work out because this guy was a man of integrity. So David realized his sin couldn't be covered, so he just decided to make it worse by setting up the husband to be killed in battle. So he died and then David married Bathsheba and they had their son. But God saw what happened and God wasn't pleased, so he sent his prophet Nathan to confront David and David confessed his sin and repented. So that's a quick backstory on what this psalm is all about. So anyway, Psalm chapter 32 verses 1 to 2, David says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Here, David's saying that once we are justified by God, our record has been cleared by Jesus' perfect righteousness and can never again have our sin on our record. Now, of course, Christians do sin. We, we mess up all the time. We are not perfect. And these sins need to be forgiven if we are to have a proper relationship with God. But these sins are no longer held against us anymore. God does keep a record of our good works so that he might reward us when Jesus comes back, but he's not keeping a record of our sins anymore. Now, moving on to verses chapter 9, verse 17, it says this. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith, and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham was the spiritual father of those who have faith, but who have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. 
the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So I've already explained circumcision and the law a bunch in previous episodes, so I'm not going to explain it again, but I would highly recommend you check those previous episodes out if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But before, if a Jew was to become righteous before God, he would have to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses, which is the the Old Testament. Paul's already made it clear that there needs to be an inward obedience in the heart to the law because just doing things on the outside, like doing good works, could never save the lost person. Today, modern day Christians have their own mark. And instead of it being circumcision, it's receiving the Holy Spirit. And what this means is by trusting in Jesus Christ, they become spiritually alive again. And the evidence of that actually happening is receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in us. It's the taking off of the old nature through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So you might be thinking, then why did we need to be given the law in the first place if the law wasn't even going to save us? Well, the law was given to save people. It was given to show them that they needed to be saved to begin with. Kind of like, how do you know that you're making a mistake if there isn't a standard to know in which you're making a mistake to begin with? Does that make sense? Anyway, I'm not. I'm just going to keep moving on because I'm going to end up repeating myself pretty soon. So verses 18 to 25 says, Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises, and because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit, it was recorded for our benefit too assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So if it's not clear, Abraham did not walk by sight. He walked by faith. What God promises, he does. All we have to do, you and I, all we have to do is believe. Abraham's initial faith never wavered or disappeared as the years went by. In fact, as he got older, his faith got stronger. And it was this faith that gave him the strength to have a child in his old age. So what does this all mean for us? How is this even relevant to our day-to-day lives today? How do we apply this? Well, God needs to wait until the lost person has reached the end of themselves and is unable to help themselves before he can save them. Now, why is that? Well, as long as a person thinks that they're strong enough to do anything to please God and that, you know, they're capable of succeeding in things, that person can't be saved by grace. 
Just like Abraham, it wasn't until he was old and basically dead and incapable of having a baby in his own strength that God's power went to work in his body. And this is so that no one else can get the glory but God. And it's when the lost person confesses that they're spiritually dead and unable to help themselves that God can actually save them. The key to this, of course, is if we believe. Like, that's the key phrase. There's a lot of reference to faith and unbelief in the letter of Romans. God's saving power is experienced by those who believe in Jesus. His righteousness is given to those who believe. We are justified by faith, and the object of our faith is in Jesus Christ, the one who died for us and rose again. So what's incredible is that Abraham didn't even have a Bible to read. Like, there was no written scriptures back then. He literally just had a promise from God, and he was pretty much alone in believing that God was going to work. He was surrounded by people who didn't believe. He didn't have a long record of people who had faith like we do today. In fact, he was helping to start writing that record. Abraham believed God and today we, you and I, we have a complete Bible to read and study from. We also have a church fellowship and we can look at history and see how many times God has come through and he's done all these amazing things for people. Yet, so many, so, so, so many people today refuse to believe and trust in that. This is the heart of what Romans is. In fact, this is the heart of Christianity altogether. You can't understand what it means to have a relationship with God without understanding grace. Without grace, you don't have a relationship with God. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God's grace is available to you. You just need to believe and trust in that promise. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus or committed to following him, like... Honestly, why why wait any longer? <laughs> it doesn't take anything fancy, but simply just praying and just saying to God, Jesus, like you have promised that if I believe in you, everything I've ever done will be forgiven. And I confess my sin. I believe that you are my savior. I You, you have promised that if I confess my sin and trust in you, then I will be saved. So I trust in you today when you say that salvation comes by grace through faith and not by anything else that I can do. There is nothing that I can do to go to heaven except by rely on your grace. I receive you into my life as my Lord and Savior, and today I'm turning over every part of my life to your care. I want to relax in your love, and I just want to thank you that I don't have to earn it or work for it, and I humbly commit my life to you and ask you to save me and accept me into your family, and in your name I pray, amen. Let it be done. I believe. So with that, that concludes the end of today's episode. I hope it makes sense and I hope that you enjoyed this section of Romans and I hope that you learned something today. I hope that it's encouraged you to go back into the Old Testament and research that history and if you prayed something like that prayer that I just mentioned to accept Jesus, I would love to know about it. So feel free to message me on Instagram and anyway, I hope you guys have a really great rest of your week and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye everyone! Bye.